0: Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit View Pew podcast. In this week's Adult Bible Studies, we continue our series on some of the parables of Jesus. We're not covering all of them, but we've selected eight that we're gonna be looking at. We've got a few more weeks left in this series. This week, we're in back in Matthew 25, in the first 13 verses, dealing with 10 virgins, five of which Jesus called wise, and five in which he called foolish. Why did he call them wise? Why did he call them foolish? Well, You're going to need to listen to find out. So very simple parable today. Very simple principle and truth that we're going to talk about. So I want to encourage you to listen to that. And then on the back side of it, I think I'm going to make some announcements about next year, some things I'm working on. And so stick around at the end. I don't usually do a rambling at the end of these studies, live studies, but I'm going to today. So make sure you check that out at the end. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. I think a few weeks ago when I was gone, you guys were in Matthew 25, but you were in the last part of Matthew 25. Today we are going to pick up in the first 13 verses or so, in another parable that Jesus gave. And we're going to see, I'm thinking I'm going to read all 13 verses to kind of get us started and then back up. And this really is a very simple parable. The application you'll see at the end of it, and it's a really simple parable, but I'm not going to let you out in five minutes. All right, So we're going we're to explain what a Jewish wedding was because that's helpful for this application. And we're going to see, this parable is about ten virgins. We're going to see what that is all about and how five of them were different than the other five. And then we're going to see the main application in this. And you'll figure it out, I think, as we're reading. But look at chapter 25, verse 1. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So these lamps were not like, obviously I think you understand, not lamps like we would see today. No electricity. They're not just switching a thing and turning it on. It was probably like these torches that they would have. And then they would have this oil that would help to keep them going. It says, there was, in verse 2, it says, And five of them were wise. And five, were foolish. So we automatically in this parable see a contrast that's what's going on. Verse 3, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamp are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them and sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, here's the application, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. All right. So, pretty basic. And the verse 13 is, I think, the application to his whole parable. But what was going on in this scene? So, let's kind of go back 2,000 years to a Jewish wedding. Imagine we're sitting into a Jewish wedding. If we were in an American wedding today, we know it's quite a bit different than a Jewish wedding. A wedding today, a typical wedding today is somebody proposes, they get on a knee, they have a ring or whatever, there's the proposal, some time goes by, it varies. We don't know how much time's going to go by, but some time goes by and then they set up all this elaborate wedding and spend a bunch of money for one day and then they get married and then... The rest of your life that's an american wedding basically in a very fast way what is a jewish wedding a jewish wedding would would start sometimes early on it was a, usually an arranged marriage and a marriage would be could be between uh, kids they weren't officially married then but what would happen was this betrothal period and it could happen while there were children it could happen a little later on but it's it was a, a dowry a payment so the 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 man's Uh, who's going to be the groom, his parents would pay a dowry to the the lady's parents. I like that idea because I have two girls. I'm thinking about going to that Jewish custom. You pay me if you want to marry him. I kind (laughs) of like that. But they would pay this dowry, and when that was paid, they were considered betrothed. It was a betrothal period. Now let me ask you a quiz question. Who can you think of in the Bible that was used about her that she was in the betrothal period? She was betrothed. Anybody remember? Was it Jacob? Maybe, but not the one I'm thinking of. Mary. Mary was betrothed because remember she was found with child, but she was in her betrothal period. So what is betrothal period? It's an important thing. And it's, this is good just for any application when you hear pastors talking about it. So the betrothal period was when that dowry was paid so you pay money to marry that person you're considered betrothed now what would happen before the actual marriage ceremony is when that dowry was paid some some believe there was an actual little bit of a ceremony it's probably more that there were witnesses watching you guys sign the contract or whatever and pay the dowry so they're witnessing that these two are considered betrothed there's no consummation of the marriage they're legally binding they're legally binding, but they're not practicing, as we would say, as a married couple. What well, that one would happen is the groom would leave and go back to his father's place, and he would prepare a place for them to dwell, for them to, land, to, to live. He would be gone for usually the time period of about an hour, or an hour, a year or so. It's probably what he wanted it to be is about an hour. I don't know. It's arranged marriage. But about a year or so, and he would prepare this place, and then he would come back. And when they come back, it was pretty elaborate. Trumpets sounding, and uh, uh, this whole procession. And then they would get the, the, bride, the bride, and then they would have this ceremony, and everybody would come. It was a big event type of thing. Now, the Jewish wedding is important in our study of the Bible because it's a great picture of the relationship with us. If you study in Ephesians 5, what does the author of ephesians paul but ultimately god what does he tell us about the relationship there's a picture of jesus and us being his bride the church being his bride so it's a great picture if you think about it The, the the betrothal the dowry being that moment of our salvation the covenant that was made and then jesus goes back to his father's place remember john 14 i go to prepare a place for you if i and if I go not to prepare a place for you, where did he go? He goes to his father's house. He prepares a place for us. And then at some point, he's going to come back for us. Trumpet's going to sound, and he's going to take his bride, the church, to be with him. And then there's this ceremony in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all of this that takes place. So it's a great picture of all of that. But that's this, the kind of the backdrop of that. Now, if you if this woman, while he was gone to prepare a place, if she were to have... It would be considered an an affair if she was with another man or anything. And that's why when Mary was found with child in the betrothal period, he hadn't been with her yet. She was still a virgin, though she was married. She was legally bound to him, but he she had not been with him, and now she's found pregnant. He could have put her away. She could have been looked at as an adulterous woman. And that's why, and you'll probably hear it. Watch for it when we hear December messages, all right? You're going to hear it probably. Mary is going to be talked about and probably at some point maybe our pastor if you hear someone else listen they may say something about this could have been an embarrassment to joseph why because his betrothed wife who he's legally bound to you would think had an affair on him she's pregnant with someone else's man they would people would think the society but really we know obviously she was pregnant pregnant by with by the holy spirit with the son of man with jesus christ and so that betrothal period. And so that's kind of what the scene when we come into our text, the groom, the betrothal's already happened, the groom has been away for some time. He's been preparing this place and now he's going to come back. But now so that's kind of the scene of the wedding, but let's stop and talk about these virgins for a second. We had 10 of them. And then it's very clear it says there's 5 that were wise and they had their oil with them. There was 5 that were foolish and didn't bring any oil. Oil is often a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and you want to be careful when you're studying parables. Be very careful when you're studying parables not to make everything an application. But it is pretty dominantly clear that this oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit in this parable. And I'll show you why in a minute. But you want to be careful, because there are some some crazies out there. So if you ever read online or you ever want to say they will put every little thing as something, an allegorical thing about modern day today. And you can miss the whole meaning. This parable is very simple, Very simple. So we've got to be careful on that. But in the contrast that was drawn, it's obviously telling us that there was some difference between them. Five were wise, they had oil, five were foolish, they did not have oil. And they were together, though. But when the bridegroom came at midnight, he, you can, as you're studying this, there can be a little bit. Some think that he did come and then he got his bride, and then would they. some think that the procession takes place, they leave, and everybody's out there waiting, and they took some time. Could be, or it could be that they're waiting for him to come, knowing it's about time for him to come. Really, you can get in the weeds and try to figure that out and take one side or another. If you go to Bible college, they'd love to debate that. doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter, because here's what matters. The, the five foolish virgins that did not have any oil, when the bridegroom came, they were scrambling. They weren't prepared. And so the others went, and they said, all right, here we go. And they all joined in, and they followed the party, and they went into where the marriage ceremony is going to be. And the doors got closed, and they were in. But there were five that weren't. And the five that weren't were scrambling around, trying and they were asking someone, can I have your oil? Can I have your oil? Now, what is that a great picture of today? I can't put my salvation on someone else if let's say ryan's not saved which is a possibility all right if ryan's not saved i can want him to be saved all i want but i can't transfer it now when the rapture occurs not saying this this that's debated statement to say this is a picture of the rapture Uh, i won't get into that because it could be the second coming and not the rapture because he's talking to jews but either way it doesn't matter the principle is still the same but let's say for the record Let's say the rapture is going to occur and it happens so fast you're not going to be able to have this conversation. But if we could slow everything down and have a conversation and Ryan's like, Brad, give me your oil. I could say, I can't. There's no way I can. My salvation is mine. I can't transfer it to you. I can't transfer it to my kids. Salvation can't be transferred to anyone. You have to make that decision on your own. Five of them did. Five decided to take their oil, and so their lamp in this picture, and don't, don't try to draw all these applications and stuff, but the lamp wouldn't stay lit. It wasn't there. They couldn't go in. By the time they went to try to get what they, their oil for their lamps, and the time they got back, it said the door was closed. It was too late. And all of this is a picture that you would say, why would we have this lesson in our Sunday school class? Well, that's a question that me, Dad, and Brian, and Matthew were all talking about this week. Because really the application is this. If you're not saved and Jesus comes back, it's too late. It's absolutely too late. I would think if you get up to come to a Sunday school class, you're saved. And that's great. So, but let me park there for a second and then move to another application. Because this is the main application. You've got to really search your heart. All ten of these virgins thought they were fine. I do not believe in teaching or preaching to try to convince people they are not saved. I don't believe that. And it's easy to do. You can scare people out of their salvation. By that I mean this. You can scare. Some people are just naturally nervous about that question right there. Am I saved or not? When I was a little kid, I probably prayed to be saved about 150 times. (laughs) Not because my grandpa, who was the pastor at the time, was like that. But I was just a little kid who grows up in church and hears about the rapture and hears about hell. And I was just like, I'd probably better get saved again tonight. So I'd cry. I'd pray every single night to be saved. I would just do it. And you have to be careful because there are a tendency for us to hear a message like this and be like, oh no, I don't want to be one of those. And just, I need to. No, there comes a point when it's doubt and we're not living by faith. You've got to trust in the salvation that you claimed and trust that God, if you're, you've trusted in Him, you're safe and you're secure. But I don't want to use crazy numbers, so I'll just say it like this. Don't be surprised if not everyone that comes to church this morning is saved. There's going to be a lot of lost people here that think they're saved. You say, whoa, that's a big statement. Okay, a lot, I, I didn't say a number. So I didn't say 50%. I didn't say 20 A lot could be 10%. I don't know a number. But there's a lot of people that come to church, general now I'm speaking, because their friends come to church or because they're socially accepted at that church and they want to be accepted and they have a lot of issues. There's a lot of people that just like the music. There's a lot of people that just, I mean, that makes them feel good to come. There's a lot of people that come and they're super confused and they they think their good works are going to get them there and they've been in a different back, theological background and they haven't yet trusted Christ. There's a lot of things that happen and so that's why it's always good. It, when I was pastoring, I but I, I would say this to any, uh, any teacher, don't hesitate to give the gospel because a lot of people at church may not be saved. May not be. If you take, see, if you're a crazy person that takes this super, super, super allegorical, 50% of the church isn't saved. Five of them were foolish and five were not. I'm, we're, that's not what the application of this parable is, that 50% of you that come to this church are not even saved. It's not what it is. But the idea is this, If we have never had a time in our life when we have understood that we were a sinner and placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, not in our baptism, not in our good works, not in our church membership, we placed all of our faith in Jesus Christ alone. If there's not been a time like that, then you're not saved. But if you have, then you are saved. You cannot lose your salvation. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Here's why it's so important. When I first moved from um, Michigan to Southern Indiana, where I, when I was a pastor, I would, I would, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody in that church, and so I just started talking to people. And I would go up to them and say, "Hey, how are you doing?" and get to know them. I say, "Tell me about when you got saved," and I was shocked at how many of them. Now I came into it blind because I didn't know anybody, so I'd say, "Tell me about when you got saved," and they were like, "Oh, man. I got baptized in 1972." I was like, okay, great. When did you get saved? 1972. Three months before that? Or 1971? Or, oh, I got baptized, 1972. Okay. I go to the next person. I'm not saying this was the whole church, but I go to a few other people. I would have them to the house, and I would talk to them and say, hey, tell me about when you got saved. Oh, I got baptized in this day. i never forget. It was great. Everybody came. I'm like, wonderful. When did you get saved? And a lot of people down there... It, were struggling with the thought that baptism was getting them to heaven. It's an independent Baptist church. Now, the Campbellites that really preach that are historically from Kentucky area, and I was right there next to Kentucky, and I always often wonder if that's part of it. But I say that to say you will be surprised how many people sitting in the church are trusting in a lot of things to get them to heaven and just adding Jesus to it. Well, the truth of the matter is salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. And if we don't place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when Jesus does return, you don't have time to go scrambling around and trying to get saved. It's too late. And so, this parable, he says to him in the last part of that, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. So how do we say this to Christians then? Well, it was the last part of this parable. Remember, later on in this parable, when he talked about the talents, and you guys did that whole parable, but how could we make some application to Christians? Well, if you're saved, then great. You've got the main thing down. You've got one of the, one of the main things. Uh, you're going to, now your soul is going to be in heaven one day. But there are some times that we as Christians can kind of sleep in slumber. We can get a little lazy. It's like, hey, I took care of the hard part. You know, I got saved, which we didn't do anything, so I got to be careful saying that. Jesus did everything, the hard part but I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, so that's wonderful. We'll just kind of sit back and wait. If the trumpet sounds and I go to heaven, great. If I die, I'm going to heaven, I'm ready for that. Whatever happens, happens. Well, don't you want to take some people with you? Don't you want to see your mom and dad? Don't you want to see your brother, sister, your cousin, your nephew, your friends, your neighbors? Don't you want to see them? The, the, the principle is still the same. The hour is going to come and, and, and the trumpet's going to sound. And one of these days we're going to be gone and we're going to, leave them behind I, I really my heart was I felt it as Chris was talking about not that none of his daughters Not saying, I'm not saying that but just hearing Chris's voice talking about his daughter may, encouraged my heart because you can hear a dad's love for him and his burden for him I love that because nowadays a lot of times we're just like well whatever happens happens no we, wanna, we, I, we don't need to be obnoxious we, abs- we absolutely don't want to be obnoxious to people but the truth of the matter is Jesus is coming back And he's coming back soon. And our world is messed up. And there's a lot of things already in place that are okay. If if Jesus came back right now, he's not offending any of the scripture. He could come back at any time. And so we need to be watchful and prayerful for those that are loved ones that that we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to get the gospel to them because they could be the foolish versions that don't know the, the gospel. And I say that because we're coming into what? Thanksgiving and Christmas. And who are we going to be around on Thanksgiving and Christmas? All kinds of family. Now I don't think you walk into Christmas and say, All right guys, listen up. I want to tell you all about the gospel. It's probably not the best choice. But what I could what you could do is on whatever today is, November 20th or whatever it is, 21st, I don't know, start praying and saying, Hey God, would you open up a door to talk to my loved one at Thanksgiving? God, I don't want to force the door open. But if you would just open up a door so that I could share the gospel. God, would you go ahead now and start softening their hearts? That I could maybe share the gospel. Or you can take the passive approach that I like to take a lot of times. Hey, God, would you cause them to start the conversation? Sometimes I wonder if God's up in heaven going, you're such a wimp. You're such a wimp. And it could be. But what what I'm trying to get across in this is this This parable is all about the fact that we have to watch because the Lord could come back at any time. Now, whether he's talking to us as Christians about the rapture or the Jews for the second coming, the principle is still the same. He's coming back soon. And we want to be prepared. And if you are prepared, great. Now the work begins because you want to reach others. a lot of times we just get so comfortable in our life that we lose that sensitivity to the others and our mind is just basically all right whatever happens happens and if the rapture were to occur we spent no time investing and we have prime season coming up maybe start praying now just saying god is there a chance is there going to be an opportunity and so i think about lost souls there's an opportunity Um, and then when we know when, when the rapture does occur and we do get to heaven, there's going to be a time of, of reward. And are you going to be able to cast any crowns back at Jesus' feet? Or are you going to be standing there with empty hands? Has your life, since all of that happened with Jesus Christ, has your life been lived, and I hate to say this, but it's, it can be true even in my life, but has our life been lived in a very selfish way? <coughs> Or has it been, been lived in a way that is thankful and wanting to give back to all of what God has done? And so there were the five wise and their lamps were prepared and ready to go. And, and I hope that that's characteristic of this class. We say, you know what, we're ready to go. If the Lord were to come back right now, I, I believe that I've done all that I could. I believe that my conscience is clear. I believe that I've done all I could. I'm prepared if the Lord comes back. And you know what? If you are prepared for the Lord's coming and you long for the Lord's coming, there's a reward for you in heaven. There's one of those rewards if you were to study. I think I talked about it recently. I think it was in this class. But there's somewhere it talks about there's one of those rewards that if you are longing and waiting for the coming of the Lord, there's a reward in heaven. And I never know the fine print on that. I don't know like, okay, do I, how, do I have to get up every day and think about it three times and then I get that reward in heaven? You know, there's always fine print for everything. I don't know about in heaven if there is. But the idea is just this. When we long for His coming, there's a reward in heaven. I remember when I was a kid scared to death about his coming. Did, you, did any of you Christians, if you were saved at a young age, did anybody else have a little bit of nervousness about the fact that Jesus is coming? I even would have dreams about it. I had a dream that he was coming and, and that I could see the trumpets coming and, the, and the, the chariots in the sky moving across, and I was running going, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> trying to tell people about Jesus. It's like I forgot that part about in the twinkling of an eye. It's like my brain didn't remember that when I was dreaming. But the, it's the truth that Jesus Christ is coming at any time and he says to us to watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. I I hope that for your life and then I'm just going to wrap this up because I don't want to draw too much that it's not there. But I hope in your life that the second coming or the coming of Jesus is not something that you fear. But I hope that when we close this time right now that in your life you'd say I'm ready. I'm ready. And if if there's a loved one, and maybe even as I close in prayer here in just a second, if there's a loved one on your mind, maybe you haven't even thought about it. And it's probably that's happened to me too. So I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and say, like, I can't believe you guys have done. There's probably been some family members, maybe not my immediate family, but extended and beyond, that I may see that I haven't thought about this until I've taught this lesson. So maybe we just need to spend some time as I'm closing in prayer, maybe silently pray and say, God, open a door. Open a door. Don't let me overlook it, because I'm ready for your coming. Let's pray. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that study. Thanks for sticking around for the ramblings. I don't typically do this on our live Bible studies, but I am today because I want to talk to you, and I will maybe over the next month and a half from time to time, talk to you about a couple of ideas, a couple of Items that I'm working on for next year 2023. The danger about me saying this is I don't know if I'll get it accomplished. A lot of it depends on my time, a lot of it dep- depends on your feedback, a lot of it depends on um, just my family life at that time. But then, number two, the reason I am saying it though is because it does give me some accountability, and I'm going to need some help from you in the sense of some feedback along the way. I may be putting out some polls. I may be putting out some questions on the email newsletter and your feedback will help me streamline and will help me to create around really the needs of you and what the interest of of the interest that you have. Easy for me to say. So what am I talking about? Well, first of all, you may have already noticed, but if you ever do go to my website, which is BradMcClure dot org O R G. I was gonna change that, but I decided not to. Because someone has stolen BradMcClear.com. And if you ever wind up on this listening to this, whoever has BradMcClure just give it to me. But um I BradMcClure.org ORG and it has changed. I haven't made it under construction. You can still get on there, you can still see some of the changes. It's it's being constantly tweaked by me the, the free moments that I have to get on there to, to mess with it I am messing with it so you may get on one day and see something and get on another day and see other things I'm constantly testing things out right now because I'm not publicly launching it launching it to who but I'm not publicly necessarily making it uh, announced until probably January but I'm working on it but why number one I got frustrated with the WordPress site but number two this as I said on the last week's podcast this can open the door to possibly do some content creation in the future like a course creation and different things like that. It does allow me the opportunity to open up some paid things and we say, whoa, we don't want to do anything that that's fine And the, this whole thing's got to grow before we get there, but it sets the stage to be able to do some of that and it and it allows me to, and motivates me to start developing Bible curriculum type of things that are gonna help you. So, I said I need help from you. A Couple things to keep in mind, when you, if you ever do go to the website bradmcclure.org, you're gonna notice that it says something about members and subscribe and becoming a member. If you already subscribe to the newsletter, you're already inputted into the new system. So, in order to see members only content, all you gotta do is put your email in And it's going to allow you to see members-only content. So if you're listening to this and you already subscribed to the newsletter, you can do that. It just may tell you to put your email in. You've already given me your email. So then you can see members-only content. Right now, I'm not making members-only content. Right now, I'm making public content. I'm not making anything right now. But when I do, it's just public and everybody can see the public stuff. But when the members-only contact come out, all it costs is your email. And if you've already subscribed, you're already in. For now, it will allow me down the road to make another level, which is not only members, but members and then whatever, you could charge a fee. And there could be courses that are made. Uh, For instance, some courses could be written or some courses could be made via video on books of the Bible, topics of study or whatever, things like that down the road. I mentioned video and that's because I'm trying to double down and go more all-in that doesn't sound real confident, does it? But on YouTube next year. And so even to design some of my Christmas list around that because I want to start going in on YouTube a little bit and allowing me to create some things. And so in the future, if there was courses, it would involve some video content, but also some written content and an area, an opportunity for you to to learn and to study and to grow. And here's why I think about this. Can I go long on this for a little bit, guys? I I taught short. So some of you don't know my life situation, and that's fine. But I've got my master's degree in Bible and in ministry, but I'm no longer in ministry for situations outside of my control. But a lot of things I've been praying about is, God, I may no longer be in ministry for things that were outside of my control, but it still doesn't mean I can't teach the Bible. Still doesn't mean I can't try to help others along the way. And that's my passion, to help others fall in love and learn and apply and study the Bible. And so if the website is a way for me to do that, and I can still do it while being a banker as the main job for now, then I want to try to be able to do that as long as I can still be a good husband and be a good dad. So YouTube is going to be an area that I'm working on and an area that I would like to make a little bit more prominent in the, the upcoming year. So how can you help with that? So the best things you can do, if you wanna get ahead of it, many of you have, but go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube page. It's Pulpit Depew. Google that, and subscribe to the YouTube page, so then you're ready, you're prepared for when that does come. And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribing to the new newsletter right now, I will move them over and get you into the new website if you do, and you're still gonna get the newsletter. The newsletter content will come to you in a different way Um, starting probably in January or so or once I learn it a little bit more and find time to but um, for now it all goes through a program called MailChimp and so that's kind of how it's set up so there's a lot going on behind the scenes and I am a novice at this I know enough to be dangerous and I know and I have a passion enough to be dangerous and so I'm gonna ask of you a couple things that I don't normally get this transparent on. Number one, would you pray for this podcast and for wisdom in this? I really only want to move forward as God leads in this. But then number two, if you would subscribe, YouTube, subscribe to the newsletter, check out the the site, BradMcClure.org. I'm trying to tweak some things here and there, but check that out. And then I really do need your feedback at some time. I may request it in the newsletter. I'm going to work on after I'm done with this recording. But, What is the best way for you to learn? Is the best way for you to learn through audio, just listening to a podcast, through video, watching a YouTube, or is it through written, maybe reading an email alongside as you're doing your devotions. Maybe if something was written out about explaining the book of Esther as you're reading the book of Esther, and that would help you. Just some feedback like that will help me to kind of, as I'm designing everything behind the scenes. So. I'm going to be working, doing a lot of that. I'm just asking that you pray and ask that you just continue to follow along, continue to share the content with other people and encourage people to follow along on the podcast. I'm going to try to make it better, but still relatable and fun. And I hope, and I, I hope that it's going to be a help to you, but I'm thankful for you being here almost three years in January. We will celebrate three years and many of you have been here from the very first episode. And I appreciate that. So I've went long, but I just wanted, to be honest, to talk to somebody about the nerdy side of what I'm doing because I'm enjoying it and I'm hoping that I can bring some value to your life spiritually in 2023. Would you pray about it? Thank you. Have a good week.